This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom, and what an edition we have. This one is titled, And We're Back, like the uh, show on uh, TV or something. You're watching a a game show, and, and we're back. And here we are. We're back in the AFC Championship game. A reminder that the Chiefs Podcast Network is brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. And... Yes, it will taste much better if the Chiefs can win this game against the Titans <laughs> and go to their first Super Bowl in 50 years. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, along with 10-year National Football League veteran. You know him as the shop, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. Spider-Man, Sean Barber. All right, and we're back. It is not easy to do. I'll mention this on the radio play-by-play, but it's only the sixth time that a team has been able to host in the AFL of the AFC, back-to-back conference opportunities to win a title. And the Chiefs, this is what the fans have hoped for all year long, Barbershop. It's been a weird twist and turn of events to get here. But a year later, the Chiefs will host the AFC championship game. Man, we talk about defining success, right? That we talk about, you know, being back. How do you, how do you, how do you define coming back from a successful season? Um, if we pinpoint to Andy or Pat Mahomes, it's, it's – it's with Andy Reid is the wins, right? Can he get this team to a certain 12 wins, 13 wins, home field advantage throughout the playoffs? You talk about the quarterback position. Can he get 5,000 yards? Can he get 50 touchdowns? Is that the way they are defining success based off of last year? I don't think so. I think it's a are we growing as a team? Are we doing things more efficiently on the offensive side of the ball? Defensively, are we making stops? Are we playing great red zone defense? Are we communicating? Do we have trust? And as a team, special teams included, are we doing what it takes to start games fast, finish the half strong, come out of third quarter after adjustments, and then putting ourselves in a position to win the game? And that's simple. That is how I think Andy Reid and this organization is now defining success. And if you weave through our podcast and go all the way back to the ones at the start of training camp, One thing that has evolved with this team is a very strong emotional and mental toughness. You do not come down from 24 to nothing and come back if you don't have those traits to set an all-time National Football League record. That will be one of the most astonishing things uh, in our lifetime, really. But there's a reason for that, and that is that emotional and mental strength. Hopefully that carries over to now being back in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I mean, I've played on some teams. I've I got to admit, uh, historically, I've played on some teams. I've, I've been down two touchdowns, three scores, and I've looked at my teammates' eyes, and I see, I see teammates looking at the scoreboard. You know what the score is. You, you know it's first quarter, second quarter. You know it's a lot of game left. What are you looking at the scoreboard for? You want to you you remind yourself how much we're down? You want to <laughs> remind yourself that we got to, you know, scratch and claw, and it's now it's time to, you know, do it or don't – I get I get caught in emotion. I get caught in like an emotional fit when I when I when I feel like uh, players start to feed in or start to buy into the scenario that um, you know hard work pays off. Uh, um, um, what you do and prepare for yourself, we deserve or we we we've earned the right. 
every game, every snap, every series, every moment on that football field is a scenario of situational football that you either arise to the, con- to, to the occasion and dominate your one-on-one battle to help your team or you get dominated. And it's as simple an equation as that. Are you helping your team win or are you doing something that leads to them being a failure? And he's back. And that is Andy Reid, an amazing seventh conference championship game for Andy Reid. Then you add the two that he had when he was helping coach Brett Favre with the Green Bay Packers on Mike Holmgren's staff, winning the whole shebang in 1996, and then also winning the conference title in 1997, losing the Super Bowl to the Broncos. But he was there with Philadelphia, hosted it three straight years, made it to the Super Bowl one year, but now Andy in back-to-back years is there again. The experience of Andy Reid in this game, the fact that he has done it repeatedly to me, and I love Mike Vrabel as a coach. I like him as a person. I think he's really good for the National Football League. But I can't overlook Andy Reid's experience in conference championship games. Yeah, we can give Vrabel all the the kudos and pats on the back from being part of that uh, New England uh, dynasty that, you know, he has playoff and championship experience, and he has playoff and championship um, um, pedigree. But his team doesn't. His, his team, when, it, when, it, when it's time to go out on the field and it's time to kick off the ball and all the lights and it's, it's, it's every snap is going to be a brick laid on that foundation, building that house, uh, trying to, trying to uh, find a path to the Super Bowl. Their team has no experience in that. And our team is, has submerged themselves in playoff championship experience. When you talk about Andy Reid, talk about Coach Spags, T. Sizzle, um, there are guys throughout this organization that know what it's like to get to this game and know how much preparation, how much time and effort it, 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 it takes to make sure that you go out there and show your best effort, give a championship effort. And then whatever the score is, the score is. But you want to go out there and play with a lot of pride uh, for yourself, your team, your family. And I keep going back to this one thing I told my son. At some point in the game, you got to realize the logo on the side of your helmet matters more than the name on the back. Mm-hmm. You got to give it up for your team. You got to give it up for this organization. If you're, if you're a part, a member of this Chiefs kingdom, and you know it got championship swagger, then you got to sacrifice and give up a little bit of yourself for the greater good of this organization. Tennessee's the sixth seed. We all know they're working against history here. Uh, Pittsburgh won it in 2005. That was Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year as a sixth seed. The Green Bay Packers won it in 2010 uh, as a sixth seed. But for the Chiefs, I thought, too, and if this is the first quarter of our podcast entitled, And We're Back, is And He's Back, meaning Andy Reid is back in the championship game. But, two, I thought to win after trailing 24 to nothing, one of the byproducts or one of the things that led to that was the fact that the younger guys on this Chiefs team had won the divisional playoff a year ago. I think even with all we've talked about, how this team has been put together, the younger guys had already won in that round in the playoffs, thinking, well, we can do this. We just got to start playing here. But I thought having that winning a year ago against the Colts helped them not only in that game to come back, will help them in this championship game. And, and, and you mentioned that Colt game, and that, that, that sparks up something to me. Um, you know, a year ago when, that, when, when Colts were coming in, everybody was talking about how well the Colts were playing the last 10 weeks of the season and undefeated and the numbers, their rushing game was doing this and they, uh, their offensive line was, you know, a melee of people, but together they were playing such at an outstanding level and 
uh, pro football focus had their offensive line rated this and that, all these numbers and stats. But when I watched the film, I saw a offense that shouldn't match up well against our defensive pressure. And in, in this in, in this game uh, on Sunday, I see the same thing. I see I see stats and numbers about. Uh, 22 Derrick Henry doing this about variable being uh, um, so dedicated to the running game and 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 uh, Tannehill be one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the the last ten games. I I take Mahomes. I'll take our offensive line. I'll t- I'll actually take our running backs because of their versatility over the uh, 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 powerhouse back that they got. Um, a tight end is unquestionable. Our receivers unquestionable. Our defense versus their defense unquestionable. Special teams, unquestionable. So it's hard for me to create a scenario where I think that there is a, a, a outcome that doesn't favor our Chiefs coming up victorious. So the first quarter, and we're back, meaning Andy's back as well. The second quarter, and you're segued into it nicely, and that is the trench warfare. I'm not going to steal the uh, – uh, the title of the other podcast, one of the other podcasts on our Chiefs Podcast Network, but we are going to talk about the trench warfare in this game, because Andy Reid, in his very first season here in 2013, when I ask him about playoff success, and he's had it, is he goes, it starts in playoff game. The offensive and defensive line are always important in any game at any level, but when you get to the playoffs, it's amplified. So, in the trench warfare. The Titan offensive line, Derrick Henry, and what he's done has been remarkable. I mean, 96 carries in the last three games. I said he's Jimmy Brown, Earl Campbell, and, I don't know, Frank O'Harris all wrapped up into one cat. <laughs> but we're overlooking Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold III at left guard, Ben Jones, a really good center, Nate Davis, a rookie right guard, and then Jack Conklin, who's emerged as a really good right tackle. The offensive line in the trench warfare against the Chiefs defensive line. To me, Barbershop, Mike Pinnell did not play in the game on November the 10th. He was a coach's decision and active. The Chiefs played Joey Ivey instead. He's now a Titan, ironically. Um, Frank Clark was still battling the neck injuries. T. Sizzle wasn't here. Derek Nottie was out there, but he's got help now. Colin Saunders is much better. You talk. I just don't think that defensive line that the Titans will face in this game on Sunday in the AFC Championship game resembles what ran on the field in Nashville. This is an entirely different front seven for Kansas City. The names may be the same, but they're playing at a highly, a much different level. Yeah, they, they're actually playing with a lot of more trust, confidence, swagger. Um, they're able to play off of one another. You're seeing guys penetrate and rap and do stunts and techniques that um, for the first half of the season, everybody was just making sure that they understood the defense. I got to make sure I line up in the 40 or 50 uh, shaded Five tech, whatever my technique is, I uh, you you could tell the defensive line and everybody on the defense was 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 more focused on making sure they lined up in the right place. And when you're thinking them on a football field, you you spend time thinking, then you can't play. You can't you can't react fast. You can't do what you need to to show your talents and abilities because you're you're, you're thinking so much on the field. And so we saw guys in the early uh, stage of our of our season thinking a lot about where to line up and uh, what techniques and how to execute. And now, fast forward to week 20 of a, of a 2019 season, we have a complete defensive unit from the front end. You talk about the LOS, the line of scrimmage, battling from the front end all the way to the back. There's a, a, a level of trust and communication that you see throughout this defense that is second to none. And, the, and, 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 it, and it plays and it shows up on uh, fourth and short. It shows up on goal line situations, red zone situations. Whenever there's a crucial play to be made, 
Um, that's when confidence and in, 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 in trusting the teammate uh, rears it, its its head. And more than that, this Kansas City's Chiefs defense, talking about that front line, those guys up front have been done a, a tr- tremendous job of rising to the occasion. And it's shown up on the stat sheet. The Chiefs defensively in the last half of the season, second in the NFL in points allowed, just 127 points allowed. And it really cranked up. The week after the Chiefs played the Tennessee Titans in that 35-32 loss in Nashville on November the 10th. Now, in the second quarter, looking at trench warfare uh, and the Titans offense against the Chiefs defense, I'm going to ask you about something else here because here's where Mike Vrabel and the Titans are a little bit sneaky. When I ask people, what do you think of the Titans and how they approach the game? Mm-hmm. Three yards and a cloud of dust. Three, I go... Not so fast, my friend, Lee Corso style, because <laughs> the Titans in the National Football League season were the best team in the league at quick strike drives. This is a Titan defense shop that lives off the big play, whether that's the play action passing of Ryan Tannehill, who was the number one rated quarterback in the NFL in passer rating, or Derrick Henry getting a 69-yard run like he did against the Chiefs or a 74-yard run they had the following week or the runs they had uh, during their playoff victories so far. And look at the play pass they had early in the Ravens game to Khalif uh, Raymond. So, to me, it's a it's a mask deal here. Yes, it is. So, how do you defend the run and how do you then handle the play-action pass so I don't get gouged in either the run or the pass? Right. I think you do what you've been doing all year. You just play confidently. You line up. You, you know, mano a mano, you got to whip somebody. You got to um, disengage, get off a block, swarm to the ball. You got to have more than one guy hit him. Um, if it's a secondary guy, you want to, you know, you take the pins out. You want to, uh, you know, the taller the tree, the lower you chop. Um, you got you to have that kind of mentality uh, on a running back like this. You want to take out his pins, um, you know, take out the, the spark plugs. You take a spark plug and the engine shuts down. Um, and, that's, and, that, and those all, it's coaching speak, but it's a mentality. It's a way you got to swarm to the ball um, and understand – if you hit him for a one- or two-yard game and it's a one-on-one tackle, he has the power and he has the size to be able to lean forward and get another one or two yards based off his physical dominance. But if you're swarming and multiple guys are hitting him, holding him up, dragging for the ball, that's when the running back starts concerned about, becomes more concerned about ball security. And then he, those legs start pumping because he's worrying about ball, people stripping the ball out, second, third man in on the tackle. You get multiple hats on him. And that's got to be a, a mantra that goes from the first snap of the game into the fourth quarter. Because this running back, the one thing he does that you have to give him credit for, he gets stronger as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. You can hold him to 50 yards, 40 yards in the first half. They're going to keep feeding the monster, feeding the beast, keep on until he breaks something late in the game. And that's when he's done his most damage is late in the game once, he, once he's just been wearing on you and wearing on you. Um, and, and that's something we got to be – uh, totally aware of, totally prepared for, um, but you, you you hunt as a team. We hunt as a pack of defenders. It's not a one-on-one thing. Once I get off my one-on-one and shed my tackle, I'm a, I'm a madman to the ball, but it got to be the front seven because in the secondary, you got to be alert for the flea flicker. You got to be alert for the reverse pass, the Philly special because Tannehill's a quarterback. So, so everybody's got to be alert of all these uh, chunk plays because, like you said, the running game is something from a staff, from a media, from the players. They sell this, we're a run first, downhill, uh, we're just going to pound and ground you because they want you to buy into that mm-hmm. and commit so many resources to stop the run Then when they want to go up top, it's, it's easy one-on-one, it's uh, double move, 
uh, wide receiver way o- uh, wide open. And Tannehill never has to fit the ball in a tight window when you play that way. In the second half of the season, the Titans were third in the NFL in total points scored. Chiefs were sixth. And people would be surprised by that, thinking this is in the, in the playoffs. They've been a, a low-scoring team. They've also relied off turnovers. We're going to get to that in a second. But Derrick Henry does remind me of playing jump on the guy with the ball in the backyard. And the big <laughs> kid from the end of the street shows up like, ah, oh, man, Derrick Henry's here. Hey, go ahead and jump on him. Let's pound, get him to the ground. All right, halftime of this edition of Defending the Kingdom, our AFC Championship edition, if you will. And it's brought to you by 360 Vodka. This edition entitled, And We're Back. And We're Back (laughs) with the third quarter uh, of our podcast. And it now flips it over to the other side. And that is the trench warfare that goes with the Chiefs offensive line against the Titans defensive front. Barbershop, I will say this. In the last two weeks, and after I reviewed the video of the Houston game, this offensive line for the Chiefs is as confident as I've ever seen them, and yes, I like it. It's not a braggadocious confidence. It is a quiet, edgy confidence, whether that's the Canadian doctor, Leray Duvernay-Tardif, who feels the best he has since the beginning of camp, or a Stefan Wisniewski. We didn't mention him and his mm-hmm. playoff experience. It's two years removed from being the starting left guard in a Super Bowl championship game. Uh, Eric Fisher's wiping dudes out two at a time, and he's uh, – you know, he's now he's become a fan favorite after uh, last week's game. Mitchell Schwartz, Austin Ryder's coming off his best game. They took it to Houston. And that was my biggest concern in the game was those Houston big dinosaurs. Go back and listen to last week's podcast. Right now, the Chiefs offensive line is ready to clean out whatever is in front of them. Man, I, you know, a young man, I, I used to have these uh, action figures called Voltron. It was these six <laughs> different Panthers or, or vehicles that you would manipulate, and then you put them together, and they form this robot. That's how I see our offensive line. We got five solid players. They're so humble and hardworking. But when they get on that field and they start playing and communicating, tagging up, uh, combo blocking, and, and what I, I hashtag this, protect and punish, because mm-hmm. that's what they do. They protect our quarterback in the passing game, and then they punish the D-line when it comes time for, uh, for D. Williams to get the ball and run the game. So as long as they protect and punish and keep that Voltron mentality to work together, hey, man, showtime will be showtime. Everything going to be hunky-dory. Uh, um, the offense is going to flow as it flow. But that's how you control the line of scrimmage. You have guys that are just uh, selfless, selfless in their own credit about how great this offense has been and will be but they work together seamlessly as a unit. How do you score 41 unanswered points? How do you get seven 20-plus passes? You have an offensive line that wants to destroy everything in their path, and that's the way these guys are playing. And Patrick Mahomes is playing to them. We know what what he did last week and the incredible rally uh, by the Chiefs, but the offensive line and going against these guys. Now, here's my danger report of the third quarter, Okay, (laughs) uh, and that is with this Titan defense. Because we saw this in the game in Nashville. And this is the way Vrabel has tra- uh, trained these guys. Uh, first of all, when you look at them statistically, uh, they're next to last in red zone defense. That doesn't fit with the guys they've got. I mean, they've got some good players on defense. But in, in the playoffs, the reason they're in this game is because of their red zone defense. New England was one of three in the red zone. So give them credit for that. That's not where they're sneaky. Um, they're sneaky in the fact that they look for the turnover. They have six takeaways in the two playoff games. They're plus five. Six takes, one give. Where do they get them? They get them after 
positive offensive plays. Go back to the game on November 10th in Nashville. Damian Williams gets the ball poked out after a seven-yard-plus run on first down. The Chiefs are driving to go up by uh, three scores, I think it was at the time. The ball comes out. Dude picks it up, runs it back. Actually, it was 10-7 to at the time, and the Chiefs trailing. Like, how are we behind in this game? But as a ball carrier, as Pat Mahomes or anybody else, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, all of them, the ability mentally to realize the play is not done until it's done and that my mentally I give up of going, I got a 20-yard gain here, that's when they come in and pop it out. Man, we call this podcast Defending the Kingdom because it has, it has, it has kingdom rules, it has godly rules. You know in your life when, when, when things are going great, that's when you got to really protect your process. You got to mm-hmm. when, when, when it's time to grind and go to work and make sure you got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted, it's usually after a great day. Because that's when the, the devil, that's when somebody comes and tries to steal your glory, steal your emotion, steal your passion. It's when you're riding on cloud nine, everything's going great, you don't see it coming, and then, whoop, your legs are swiped from under you. That's the way the opportunistic type defense, and it's, 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 it goes back to the, it's the Patriot way. The Patriots' defense is one that they'll let you catch the ball and get up if they can punch the ball. We've seen that from New England. We've seen that at Detroit. The Dolphins do it. And now Tennessee, like every coordinator, every player that's been a part of that defense, it's okay to let you get a little bit if they can have an opportunity to take it away. And they thrive off that, uh, um, um, that, that ball-hawking mentality. But you know what? On offense, as long as you know that that's their mentality, you can make it almost non-existent because you know that they're going to do that. So you don't get up with your usual uh, uh, overzealous self. You get up protecting the ball. You're a ball carrier. You run through the tackles with two hands on the ball. As a ball carrier on a screen or something, when you break to the sideline, you anticipate there's a defender coming on that outside trying to punch the ball out. And so you keep it high and tight. That mentality, that focus, that expectation, they are going to try to stripe the ball, strip the ball. They must – win the turnover battle to win this ball game. They must have more possessions than us because their offense isn't as effective as ours. Mm-hmm. Drive in and drive out, they can't score the way we can score unless they find a way to turn that possession, uh, 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 the possession game over, right? They have to play field, but they have a great punter, right? Their punter is, is one of the most phenomenal weapons on their team because he makes the defense uh, uh, go out there and have the long field to defend to give them more and more opportunities to striped at that ball. So that's something they've been doing well all year. But here in the playoffs, they've turned it up a notch. Everything is turned, and they've turned up their defensive hustle. They swarm to the ball. They expect turnovers. They go for them. Um, and you just have to be so aware of that um, from, from, the, from, the, from the jump, from the first kickoff to the last whistle. It's interesting. A couple things here. You remind me of a high school or a collegiate wrestler that lets a guy up to take him down so I can get a major a major fall, right? I can get yeah. a major point decision to help my team. So I'm going to let you up, and then you're feeling good, and then I just take you right back down again and do it up. That's one that comes to mind here. A good other thing in talking to Tyreek Hill this week, the Chiefs I know are emphasizing, you talk about getting people to the ball. That's what you think about that from a defensive standpoint. The Chiefs, after a long game, the receivers are talking about getting to the ball themselves. Like, do not give up on the play. I sprint to the ball. If I'm going to shade somebody, maybe a late block, or if that ball comes out, now we have some additional hats to the ball. I found that interesting because I really haven't thought about that. It's the offense. After You don't want to take your defender to the ball, but if I can shield that guy, I want to get in the area of the ball. So if it's loose, 
we got more of a chance to jump on it. Yeah, from offense, from EB at the offensive coordinator, I know all his uh, position coaches, I know they are, 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 are praising their guys for the amount of explosive plays, but when a play does get thrown 20, 30 yards down the field and our, our receiver is making a move to get away from the defensive guys, it usually is defensive guys have more, uh, more hats to the ball. They have, they have more people in the picture frame, you call it, when you're watching film. You have to challenge the offense to say, hey, man, when a play goes beyond 10 yards, it's not time for us to walk to the huddle. It's not time for us to uh, take a deep breath. We have to chase the ball carry also. We got to be ready for that guy to uh, break back across the field and pick up that one more uh, a home run block that can set somebody free. Hey, you, you, you can play this game long enough to realize most long runs over 20 yards, it's not the initial blocking that does it. It's a secondary, an ancillary, a, a down-the-field wide receiver tight end gets in the way just enough to create a little hesitation and doubt on a defensive player's mind, which allows that offensive guy to spring and break into the open. So now we go to our fourth quarter of our AFC, AFC Championship edition of Defending the Kingdom, brought to you by 360 Vodka. This edition entitled, And We're Back. And the fourth quarter, And We're Back, is talking about seizing this opportunity and warrioring up. One guy I'm going to put out there is Travis Kelsey. Man, big, he big. has warriored up like no other. I, I mentioned it before, out there the first day of rookie training camp. And last week, shop, I saw him during the week. I thought, oh, man, I hope he can go. I hope he can go. Not only did he go, he had to kind of fight through a bunch of injuries throughout the entire day to set NFL records in that game. To me, Travis Kelsey's been underrated from the standpoint of what he's had to do to get ready to play and perform at the highest level. To be part of this uh, historically great team and this historic offense, the, the one, the, 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 the most consistent element of our offense all year has been Kelsey. He's been the guy that you can count on for 11 targets, seven catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. What, what, whatever is needed to get it done, he's been the guy you can always count on to find a, find a, find a, find a, find a soft spot in the zone. Last week, even, even in a double team, when he was being doubled, he, 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 I call it calcify. He calcified the route, put a little extra wiggle on it, put a little extra sizzle on it, and then broke into the open. And Mahomes had enough faith to stay with him throughout the route, knowing he was going to beat a double team to get a big first down. You know how big that is for a quarterback to have enough faith in a guy to – you see him getting doubled before the pre-snap. The ball's hiked. He's getting double team, but you still know the advantage is with your guy. That is un, that's unheard of at, at, at this time of the moment. During the regular season, that's one thing. Sometimes you face great safeties, not so good safeties. This is the playoffs. Everybody's good now. You know you're facing the best of the best. That type of uh, trust, communication, uh, you talk about Pat Mahomes, he, he talks about it. The defense is designed to take away something. We have to find out what that is and then find ways to beat it. And we do it consistently, and we, we, from, from, from one series to another, we go in at halftime, we make adjustments, and we come to the second half. We know what they're trying to do to take away what they're trying to take away from us, and now we got to go someplace else. That is defensive one-on-one. Take away something the offense does well and make them find another way to, to beat us. The crazy thing about the Chiefs, is we have about seven different ways to beat you. Yeah. So you can take away two, and we still got five uh, left. There's five, and, maybe, and another one that we didn't think of. <laughs> so the point is, last year, I remember Kelsey talking to me publicly and privately that 
hey, man, Patrick's unbelievable. He'll throw me open. I'm covered. He'll throw me open. But this year, we've seen the other side of that. And I like your word, Kelsify, because it's not there. But now Kelsey is making the play happen for Mahomes. And now you have this two-way streak going on. And I saw it started in July. Even those three or four practices they had, it was just those two guys. That's right, working one-on-one. And they and, and saw it during the summertime. It gives me chills to talk about it. But these guys, um, those two I know are ready to seize the opportunity. But for you and I, for people who have been around this league for a long time, you hope and you pray. God doesn't care who wins, but he shows favor, right? He shows favor. But here's the opportunity again, Barbershop. This is what the kingdom had hoped for in May, June, July, April, March, September. Uh-oh, it's not going to work October. This season ain't going to be what we thought. Oh, Mahomes is hurt. It's not going to work. Oh, we lost to the Titans. Uh, they ain't going to be in a one seat. They're at home in the championship game playing for a chance for the Super Bowl. Seize the opportunity. Every moment throughout the season, you never know how today's action is going to trickle down months later. And each week, starting week one, week five, seven, 12, everybody knew there was going to be a point in time where there needed to be some, something done, something, some, some shift where we don't only think we're a good team, we know we're a great team. And when that switch turned on, everything started to fit into place. And we didn't look back and say, well, if we would have beat this team, then we would have been uh, number two seed. No, we'll take the number three seed going into the final week of the season. If things happen, things happen. And what happens? Fitz magic happens. <laughs> we get T-Sizzle. All these ancillary pieces fall into place, and now we have multiple weapons and multiple things, and now we're at home, home field advantage, AFC championship game. Not only did we re- seek and uh, have revenge on the Texans for an early season, um, uh, come back. But now we get to go against the Titans, face another team that, um, yeah, they got the best of us during the season. No matter who we had on the roster, no matter who was up, they end up making enough plays to win the game. So that leaves a little edge, a little, little chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. We get to go in the game knowing, yeah, we got a little revenge factor against them. Uh, but the one thing we are, we are as healthy as we have ever been this late in the season with two games left to play. And we got to create the second game, but right now we are as healthy. We have Kelsey, we have Cheetah, we got uh, uh, Black Zeus, we got Z's, uh, 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 Black uh, Elvis, we got um, 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 we got yeah, we got we got, the jet. we got the jet going. We got we got we got, we got enough nicknames and surnames <laughs> going around this building. Uh, um, I don't, I, you know, we we we, we had Avengers, we had eighteen, we got superheroes, we got all this thing going around. But you know what the guys are doing? I heard Pat Mahomes say it early in, um, earlier today. Coach Reed tells these guys, let your personality show. Don't be afraid to let your personality show. Have fun in the moment and be focused to go out there and play you the best you can. As long as you do that, we'll be satisfied with everything. We'll we'll make do with everything else. Go out there and try your best. Give your effort. Let your personality show. Don't be afraid to be special. And we have a bunch of special people on this team. He's Sean Barber, Barbershop, a.k.a. The Spider, a.k.a. Shop. And uh, here's the deal. Andy Reid has told me the last two weeks, just play. Just play. Just go play and have fun. Just play. You talked about all those names this team has. Chiefs Kingdom. Here's the name I want us all to have at the end of Sunday night. Champion. And holding the Lamar Hunt Trophy for us. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. 
Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Official Podcast Network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.